0: This podcast has bad words in it. You have been warned. I'm Zach Bohannon. I make my living telling stories, but I'm also a metalhead, retired drummer, avid gamer, and most importantly, a loving husband and father. Join me each week as I sit down with a fellow dad and discuss balancing a creative life with family, careers, hobbies and all the other things guys love. This is the Creator Dad Podcast. Sasha, what is going on? It's been way too long.
1: Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. It's such a pleasure to get to speak to you again after like so long. I know we were talking briefly before. I I don't know how long it's been, but a while I should imagine.
0: Well, I looked it up actually. So I I went and looked at the Rebel Author podcast to see when I was on. For one, I didn't realize I was episode 11. I thought that I was (laughs) way later than that. (laughs) So, um, so I was, I was on there a lot, but Actually, so you and I are recording this on January 14th, 2022. Our episode aired two years ago tomorrow. No. January 15th, 2020 was when the episode aired.
1: Oh my goodness me, which <laughs> means we must have spoken probably um, maybe a month before, maybe just before yeah. Christmas. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I th- I, and I think it was around then. So oh, wow. uh, so it's been oh over two years me. since we've talked. It <laughs> <Just> doesn't
1: <things laughs> like that. It really doesn't.
0: I know it's crazy. So, you know, but I was le- episode eleven on there, and you're gonna be, I believe, episode. You know what's funny? You might be episode eleven on my
1: podcast. Oh my god, please make me episode eleven. I'm, I'm <laughs> actually,
0: I think you are episode eleven now that I think about it. <laughs> I'm pretty that is sure amazing. Because JD Barker, serious... JD was 10, and I think you're eleven. So oh,
1: that's some serious connectedness right there.
0: <laughs> well, you're also gonna be the first mom. So so what an
1: honor! <laughs> I love
0: being number one. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of, uh, I I think I kind of told you in the email, but like this podcast um, originally, you know, me and Jay, like he helped me come up with this idea in a hotel room back in September. And I'd been kind of thinking about it for a while. And like, I really wanted to niche down. Like that was kind of the idea. It was like, I was going to go really, really niche. And, you know, so initially I was just going to talk to guys, just to dads. And, and, and part of that reason, too, was because, um, you know, I, I, I've wanted to start, like, this community and stuff where, like, where I can have guys and we can talk about stuff that you might not want to talk about, you know, with, with women in the room, whether it's, like, whatever, like, guy, you know, um, and, but what I've realized as I've done more of these podcasts is that, like, the stuff I'm getting out of these shows and, and the great parts of the conversations I'm having have nothing to do with gender, So I was like, man, I need to have start having mom. I know a lot of awesome creative moms. So like, I feel like I'm wasting great conversations by not having them on. So.
1: I love that. I love that. I, I, uh, I have funny ideas about gender anyway. Yeah. Uh, like, so yeah, I, I, but, uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me because I think a lot of parents, especially creative parents all feel the same. I don't know. I suspect we go through a lot of the similar things. It just depends, I suppose, in terms of tangible elements, who's playing what role in the family, which is even, which is interesting for me as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and like, you know, and, and I, I knew going into that, you know, um, having a podcast with that is gendered, like in 2021, that was a risk. Like I, I knew that and stuff. And, Um, but I just, you know, again, was going to niche down, but I was like, ah, whatever. Like I'd rather talk to anybody I want to talk to and not have to worry about that. And like, you know, I'm like, I told you in the email, like, I'm not going to change the name because I'm still a creator dad, Mm -hmm. but I'm just going to talk to creator parents now. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, but yeah, so you're the first, you're the first woman I'm having on. So um, what
1: an on. honor. I have to say, I am very honored to be the first. I didn't realize I was the first mom. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're the first mom. So excellent. yeah. So congrats on that. So, well, you know, and again, it's been two years. I mean, it's been uh, crazy and it's funny. Like I was thinking back to where I, when I first heard about you, and I think we might have talked about this on your show, but, um, you know, the first time I heard about you was when you won the contest that we did for American Demon Hunter Sacrifice. Do you oh, remember that?
1: Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do remember that. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then I think I tweeted like a, a little photo, like when it arrived. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I still have that is somewhere on my in, in my green section of my bookcase. For <laughs> listeners who cannot see, my bookcase is color coded. So uh, I'm just yeah, now in noticing the- <laughs> that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah.
0: What, uh, it, was is that just your your brain makes you color code it like that or
1: yeah it's intentional so I am really rubbish with um song titles book titles author names lyrics but I can tell you what's on the cover of any book um and so I literally am like oh yeah I need the red book with the skull and the um death s- skeleton on it and then I'll be like oh yeah that's there and then I'll be like oh yeah that was written by Zach Bohannon you know or whatever so
0: that's hilarious that's so, yeah. that's so interesting you yeah, know we were talking on on a recent episode of writer's inc we were actually talking uh, i can't remember who we were talking to um but she was saying that when she's writing she has to color code the different color code the different characters like dialogue and and stuff in her manuscript because of her because it just helps her as she's oh, wow. reading it now so it's always fascinating to me how people like the brain is just such a weird thing
1: it is so weird, but I, like fascinating. I am, um, there's a hot, like synesthesia is a thing with color and taste and sound and all of that stuff, which, and I find all of that stuff fascinating, but then I've got a background in psychology. So that's not surprising. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's awesome. But yeah, I still have that picture because um, because I just thought it was really cool that you tweeted out and stuff. And um, so for, for people who don't know, we're talking about when, you know, uh, in 2017, wow, that seems like forever ago now. Uh, myself, Jay Thorne, Lindsay Broker, and Joanna Penn uh, did the first authors on a train trip where we wrote a book in a week. And then we did a contest. I don't remember what the whole thing with the contest was. I think you had to guess who wrote what in the book or something like that. I don't Or maybe there was those lines,
1: but it it was at the end of the book. So I know you had to read it in order to, to, to enter. So yeah, I sort of sat on my set. I, do you know, I feel like I may have had had I may have had surgery, and I, I like, and I was reading it possibly whilst I was recovering. I can't remember, but it was something <laughs> like that because I I sat and read like the whole thing, um, like on my Kindle. Uh, but yeah, anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that was the first time that I, I, you know, found out who you were and stuff, and um, you know, of course I did your podcast on uh, you know, episode eleven a couple of years ago, and you know, Upstart Podcast, and like. Now, like, it, it's funny, I'm, so I'm not on, I, I don't use social media, like I haven't for like three years now, I'm totally off of it. So I do get kind of disconnected from things, but like, your show blew up. <laughs> like, oh, and, and, and I, and I, you know, kept hearing about you and hearing about you. And then of course, you were supposed to speak at the oh, Career no. Author Summit. We, you know, the,
1: um because what, what month was the Career Author Summit? It was in I don't September. Think- yeah so that was still before i think we were allowed to fly because because yeah. they only opened it um in november like literally the week before 20 books to 50k vegas so people were like having to book like next day flights to get to vegas yeah. but um i know i had to make the decision back in april and i just i was like how how can i how can i commit if i if we're not even allowed out of the country yeah so it was devastating because i really wanted to come it- um and and i had a few people tending that were like that they took like rebel author like tops and stuff because they thought I was going to be there so I'm I really hope one day I can oh I'm throwing my headphones everywhere <laughs> I really hope one day I can I get to come over and uh yeah and make up for that
0: so yeah that's that's what I was going to get at was that there was like a group of people there wearing their rebel author stuff and like we even had a couple of people email us and be like uh, who were going to come and then switch to virtual because you weren't coming oh. like they were coming just to see you <laughs> oh. and, and the stuff. so amazing. they were like oh we're not even going to come now like you know oh. so um we, hey but I was like wow and when I started seeing that stuff I was like man Sasha's really blown up you know oh um, thank you yeah and and I and you know I've I, I listened I've listened to the show and stuff I mean you're you're crushing it it's awesome so
1: oh thank you I just I'm trying to lean into the most me things I possibly can, which are being sarcastic, cheeky, and a bit sweary, and all of the things that I was told were really bad, like when I was growing up. And now they're the things that like define me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I find hilarious. And it's ever so rebellious. So yeah, I am I'm kind of the poster child for the own for, for my own podcast, I think.
0: No, your your uh, your branding is amazing. Like, I mean, and and you can tell the thing is you can tell it's like authentically you, you know, even the like people can't see on the video, but even the chair you're sitting in now is totally yeah. just like villainous and yes and stuff I mean you look like a queen sitting on a throne right now oh,
1: thank you in. darling do you know I even painted my front door purple did you re- that's awesome <laughs> I painted your my wife front let, front let door you do purple. that that's awesome. <laughs> she did she did she encouraged it <laughs> <laughs> that's Are perfect we- isn't that's, it
0: that's awesome I'm kind of like refined to my space here in my office so I can kind of do what I want in here but beyond this (laughs) I don't have a lot of leeway
1: so. Yeah. Well, I. yeah, I mean, she doesn't really want the books out of here, which is why she relented and built me a ridiculous sized bookcase in here. But uh, apart from that, she's pretty good to me, I have to say. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So like when you for your branding, was that did you work with anybody on that stuff? Or was that just all you?
1: That was all me. I um, so I don't I don't know where it came from. Other than I sort of felt my way into it so like the purple has always been purple and black have always been my favorite colors um and then as I sort of left my job I was really like indignant about being as me as possible because I'd been so crushed by like the corporate everything so You know, um, villains were always my favorite characters. Like I always found, and I have learned why recently as well, This, and I'll explain that. Um, Oh, I'd like to know that
0: for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So they were always like my favorite characters. And I was like, why do I like them way more than the heroes and stuff? And so, and um, it's only, you know, well, going around in circles but so i ended up writing about them and studying them because i wanted to make sure that mine were better and um, then when i would first started writing and that's sort of how that all came apart but um recently like in the last six months i have discovered so i don't know if you know becca sign and Kristen oh yeah Strings. yeah she okay. was supposed
0: to speak at the summit too and had to she wasn't able to yeah make it, so she did a virtual thing too
1: yeah so i am like a massive becca like Becca's awesome fan. she yeah. is for she has single-handedly changed my life. Um, and I so my number one strength is competition. Um, but lots of um so like th- there are these four different domains. So you've got relationship building, you've got strategic thinking, you've got um influencing and what was that for? Yeah, no executing is the other one. And Influencing strengths are the rarest by um, by uh, presentation in the population. So um, m- most common I think are like a mix of executing strategic and relationship building in, in the top 10. I forget the actual ones. I think achiever is, is one of the high ones and learner as well. Um, but I have five out of 10 influencing strengths in my top 10. And what you find if you deconstruct villains, nine times out of 10, they are, they have influencing strengths. So either they have like significance or they have competition or, and so these strengths are villainized and like they're taken obviously any strength if you take it to an extreme will become a weakness. Um, But quite often villains are are sort of, they present uh, with these influencing strengths. And so I was attracted to them because I was attracted to the things that I see in myself.
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so like that is how that happened. And I'm still like reeling and I find it my personal mission to uh, now make books with heroes with influencing strengths because, hey, we need to be heroes too.
0: Well, I think too, I think what is, awesome about your point of view and how you put so much focus on the villain is, you know, th- th- when I'm working with other authors, that's, I mean, a lot of times our villains are totally flat and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and very, you know, as, as I hate saying this, but like the mustache twirling as they, they like to say or whatever. And like, people tend to forget that your, your villain needs to have wants and needs and your villain is the hero of their own story. So you Absolutely. can't just make, you can't just make them bad to, you know, uh, to, for the convenience of your story. Like you need to fully develop them. So I feel like bec- it almost feels like you would, you're almost ahead of the game because you are putting so much emphasis. Em- emphasis. Why can't I say that word right now? Sound <laughs> um, <laughs> like it's a list uh, on, your, on your villain um, because like you're going to make your heroes and your protagonists, you're naturally going to make them fully fledged characters. I don't think most people have problem with that. Mm-hmm. um but uh but you know people definitely miss their so I feel like that would probably help out your writing a lot
1: I think so because at the end of the day story is about change and what drives change is conflict and the source of conflict is a villain so or or it's you know <laughs> Or it's the inner demon that's creating the conflict that is you know because not all villains are tangible they're not all put into a character um you know look at like romance or whatever it's that it's usually the the heroes or, or the feet whether that's female or male it's usually their own i don't know psyche and, and and inner issues that they have and that is still a form of villain i suppose you know it's just uh inner inner demons and inner conflict instead but you still need to have solid reasons why and the backstory for how they got to that point otherwise your stories don't don't have any depth and they it's much harder for readers to connect to them so yeah I I'm fascinated by. at the moment I'm actually really fascinated by uh like villains that aren't tangible like when I started it was much more oh yeah like I want to make you know not the big bad villains, but like just in terms of where my fiction's going, I'm a bit more interested now in that inner conflict, that personal development and growth, like in characters. So, but that's because I'm looking at contemporary, at least for the next series anyway.
0: Yeah, that the uh, part of what you're getting at, Jay and I call antagonistic force. Yeah. Yeah. So, like something that's not necessarily like a physical being, but it can be like you're saying, like inner demons, but it also can be like, you know, a hurricane or tornado or like Mm -hmm. something in nature or something like, or something in society, you know, can be an antagonistic force. Um, and the capital in
1: the hunger games is a great example of that.
0: Yep. That's a great, that's a great example. Yeah. I was sitting here trying to think of some really good examples (laughs) because there's ones that Jay always brings up when we're doing our, uh, when we're doing our retreats and stuff and I'm trying to remember what they are, but that's a yeah, the capital in hunger games is a really, really good example. So, um, well, let, let's, uh, I want to talk about your fiction stuff a little later. Cause I know we talked about it before, but I, I want to talk a little bit about, we, t- we talked a little bit about your podcast. Um, so, uh, uh let's just start with rebel author. Like how many episodes we talked about me being episode 11. Do you know, how many are you in now?
1: 121.
0: God, that's awesome. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> yeah. It's thank you. That's, uh, I mean, cause I don't m- most, most pod, course, we're pros, so we don't have to worry about this. But, like, um you know, most podcasts, I'll make it past seven episodes. So. I know that
1: blows my mind. Yeah. Like, why commit? It's such a faff, like, getting it up, like, started and like buying the kit. Why would you only commit for seven episodes? Like, I don't know. In my head, I was like, I will get to 100. I will get to 100 and I'll see like where I'm at then. And I fucking love it. I absolutely love podcasting. I love voice. I love, you know, so I've just done my first audio book as well. Um, Um, And I just love it. I I love the performance. I love the chat. I love meeting people. I I just love everything about podcasting. So next level authors, which is the other one I do is at 94. We've just recorded episode 94. Like what? Like it does not feel like two years. It's just, it's crazy. It's funny how that works.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's it's crazy. And I think that to me, I think part of the reason is that that, so many people try it and fails because they think they don't think it's going to they think it's going to be easy oh um, yeah that exactly like i think yeah. people because a podcast is something so many people listen to them mm-hmm. and it's basically free to do like it doesn't cost that much money to start a podcast and so i think a lot of people are just like oh i could do that like i can talk for an hour or whatever and they don't realize that for one it's not just talking like it's this this is work <laughs> to do this i mean it is its I, yeah, I research
1: mean- every guest. I usually end up, if I don't read somebody's book, I, I will have at least gone through a big chunk of their book yeah. because I like to make thoughtful questions um, or at least have questions in my mind that are like thoughtful. And then, you know, it's all it's all the admin that goes behind it. I yeah. used to spend eight hours, one working day a week producing my podcast. And it was only when somebody was like, do you think somebody else might be faster at that than you? And I was like, yeah. oh, I don't know. Oh my God, my VA does it in like two hours. What was taking me four and a half to five hours takes her two hours a week. So, and now I am mostly just you know directing and doing the recording and just like the editing and stuff. So yeah, like, but th- this is the thing people don't realize. And I'm not even doing transcripts anymore. I used to do transcripts and stuff. And still between us, I would say it's probably still four hours work a week for every episode.
0: Yeah, and I mean- like, like you mentioned all the post-production, like I, I have a, you know, a history with audio because I was a musician and used to record music. So that part was pretty easy for me. Um, but you know, doing show notes, doing all the research, like you mentioned, but even, even just sitting here and doing what we're doing now, like, you know, people might laugh if they never tried it, but like, by the time we're done with this hour, like I'll be sweating. I mean, mean, seriously, because it's, like, you know, we are, ha- we are just having a pretty natural conversation, but I'm like using brain, I'm, I'm using energy to think about what I'm going to ask you next, what we're going to talk about lead, you know, and it's, it's, it's harder than people think
1: it is. <laughs> it definitely is. It's definitely harder than people think, but it's also like, if you are that kind of person, I, I think it is amazing. Like I really enjoy the performative aspect of it. Yeah. Like, you know, I try not to speak really monotone and just like this, which is probably what I would normally do. Like if yeah. we were just, you know, but like you so you have to, but I really enjoy that. Like it does feel if I just feel like I'm me, but like the best me when I do podcasts, cause I get excited and I buzz off of other people's energy and stuff. So yeah.
0: you You nailed it. It's a performance. Like, I, I think, I think that's really a great way to put it. I mean, it, it's a performance, you know? I mean, and, and, and that's not to say that we're not being ourselves. Cause I mean, we totally are right now. Like this is, again, we're just having a conversation, but we're yeah. still like, it. it is, it's a performance, you know, for sure. So I totally get that. So like, um, I had Daniel on this, uh, Daniel was like episode seven or something like that. Um, and uh, i i'm I'm so glad you guys do that podcast together because I love both you guys so much. Like oh, and, um... it's so
1: fun. we We just banter and just take the piss out of each other, to be honest, most <laughs> of the time most of the time the lovely thing is I don't know if you know this but he doesn't live that far away from he
0: told me. me that on the yeah. yeah
1: yeah so we're actually only about an hour-ish away from each other so we do we haven't met up for a little while because Christmas and COVID everybody had COVID yeah. and all of this stuff but before that we were meeting up fairly regularly so yeah
0: yeah I was gonna say like I mean an hour I mean that's the type of thing where you guys if you're we gonna Try to make it a regular in-person thing. You'd probably have to batch some episodes, I imagine, mm-hmm. if you were going to do mm-hmm. that. But, um, but it's it's you know I, I doing the podcast in person. Like I haven't gotten to do one of these yet, but I do in person. But I do have some local creatives that um, I, I'm I'm fortunate enough to live in a super creative town because I live in Nashville. So there's just a lot of creative people, and uh, so I'm I'm planning on doing a good chunk of these in person. Oh, um, that's cool but I've mostly just talked to my writer friends so far. <laughs> so, but um, I've had a couple of non-writers on here. Um, I had a, uh, one of my buddies who uh, owned his own coffee business was on here. Um, I had, I had the narrator for my audiobooks. books. Um, so oh, I had cool. a graphic designer, um, a couple of musicians. So yeah, I mean, I've had other people on here, but, but what, what my point is like, um, even when me and Jay have done podcasts together in person, it's just, it's a totally different experience. Like it's just being in, in, in person with people. So like, it, it'd be awesome if you guys could do that more regularly being that close together.
1: Yeah, we've done, I think two in person. I feel like it's two. Uh, yeah, I feel I feel like it might be two in person, but yeah, we. Um, it, it, the only thing I don't like is that we don't have a setup to have two mics recording at the same time. Yeah. Um, so that's the only downfall so you always get one person who's like not quite in the in the in the right space for that but yeah I'm sure we will I mean especially because now he owns his own place so I know that he's not going anywhere he knows that I'm not going anywhere so it's you know it's easier now plus our kids aren't that different in age so it's quite
0: yeah, that helps out too, for sure. Mm. Yeah. And, and the gear part, you, I mean, that's a pretty easy fix. Like all it you is. need is like an audio interface and a couple of microphones. Like you mm-hmm. can even use, um, you know, Tim Ferriss, you know, who's one of the most famous podcasters in the world. I mean, he, he, when he does his travel setup, he just uses like a Shure SM58, which is like the most basic like tried and true uh vocal mic for musicians those things are a 100 bucks like i
1: have i actually you've just reminded me i have a hn 4 something or other yeah. like a yeah i have one of those which has got mics that
0: go so yeah i don't
1: know why i didn't think about that gosh yeah
0: so you can do that <laughs> and then have your own separate audio and stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah you could tell you could totally do it because it really does make a difference it, does. it does um like when we uh you know, at the summit, we did an episode of Writers Inc. live. And that, that's a little different because it was in front of a crowd too. Um, but uh, we, we did like me, Jay, and JD all first time. We all three of us were in a room together too, which was cool. Uh, but we did that live. And I don't know, it was, it was there's was just, it's definitely different about doing that. Did you see, um, uh, I know you said you kind of binge podcasts and you miss mm. stuff and all that. Did you see um, that Rachel and Jay did a special episode of Writers uh, right? writers well i almost said writers inc
1: <laughs> yeah i did that popped up because obviously they have not been on the feed for ages it popped up and i was like what the fuck what? <laughs> so like, just like yeah that was an immediate listen because i was like oh because obviously dan and i both adored their podcast yeah. and like that definitely inspired like next level authors for us so yeah i was like that was an immediate listen i had to and it was so lovely hearing them together again so
0: it, yeah. It's funny. I talked to Jay every single day and he didn't even mention to me that happened. <laughs> like it just popped up and I was like, what the hell dude, you know, like you didn't. And, uh, cause you know, he had had, um, that I, you know, I know they, they used to zoom pretty much like once a month, but then when she moved to New Zealand, mm. uh, that became not a thing because it's just too freaking too difficult because you know, yeah. because of, uh, cause of the time. But, uh, so I was really surprised that Paul, po- I immediately texted him. I was like, dude what the hell you didn't tell me this was going on he just yeah. sent me a wink i was like yeah. asshole yeah. <laughs> but it was really it was really cool to hear them and I, I knew that um obviously their podcast was a huge inspiration for you guys and, yeah. and you know and i loved that podcast so it's really cool that you guys have kind of you guys i mean it's what you guys are doing now you'll have definitely turn into your own thing
1: mm-hmm. but
0: um it was cool to see someone at least see you guys pick up the torch and 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 kind of carry that on after they stopped doing it, so that's fun. So you, man, you're you're just doing all kinds of stuff. I don't know, like how you find all the time to do all these podcasts and everything.
1: <laughs> I don't know. And part of me wants to do another one as well. I'm not. I I definitely you uh, I I you turn into Jay Thorn. Yeah, seriously. I really <laughs> well could, could work for a while. I was doing three anyway because I was doing the Alliance of Independent uh, Authors yeah. once a month. Um, but I stopped that and um yeah, I was going to do another one connected to my fiction. Um, and I, you know, went along, I've got the URL, I had a logo made. And then I was like, "Girl, oh, you do not have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get back in your box. So I haven't uh, hit, what's the word? Like I haven't executed on yeah. that yet, but it's in the back of my mind for I don't know one day when I'm richer and I can afford more VAs.
0: Or something. <laughs> that's just one of the, that's one of the, the really hard things about being a creative is, is uh, like it, it, you know, when I know as a writer, you get the same thing where people you tell people what you do and they're like, Oh, I have an idea for a book. And it's yeah. like, Then they want to tell you about um, it. Sure, and I'm just honey. like, yeah, it's like, I try to be nice, but I've, I've, I've started telling people, I'm like, look, like ideas are the easy part. Like I'm, yeah. I'm going to die not having written every book I want to write, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's really hard when we, you know, we get these ideas and you, you go down that path. Like you're talking about, you start buying URLs and doing all this stuff. And sometimes you do that before you sit back and think like, Do I even have the capacity to do this right now? But you really want to, you know? Yeah, Um,
1: and and I really, like, I I went through a bit of a curve uh, over the last eight months. I, like, my word of the year last year was finishing shit because I'd opened so many projects, so many tabs, and I just wasn't getting anything done. So I had to start saying no. Like, I think everybody gets in, you know, you go through these stages in your business and then all of a sudden you find that actually you're completely tapped to the max and you have to start saying no to stuff and being a bit more selective and I definitely got there last year and um so I was having I spent eight months I've spent eight months closing down projects stuff that I'd promised people things that um you know I'd said yes to and you know then like book projects and course projects and audiobook projects and stuff and as a result this month I I in fact today I sent two books to the editor and probably in about nine days I'm going to send a third book to an editor so like it's just ridiculous like but I feel so much better because going into next month finally I will be free of like the 75 million things that I started so that is one of the reasons I didn't execute on on another new podcast because I was just like I'm not going to go back there I was drowning last year so yeah it's it
0: saying no is hard. Like that's oh, one of those so things, hard. especially when it's other people. And um, you know, the thing I always say, uh, is, and uh, I got this from Derek Sivers is, you know, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. By the yeah. way, I've said it so much that he actually sent me the book. <laughs> no, <laughs> so oh my god, a that's amazing. Sto- there's another story behind that. That was he was on Writer's Inc. recently, uh-huh. and uh, and and Jay, I I guess told him he's he. he it was a whole thing where Jay was talking to him and had him send me the book. And he sent me like a personal oh. note and stuff is awesome. Oh my but that's God, like my that fa- is amazing. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite quotes and it, it every decision I, I make in my life, whether it's business or personal, I've asked that, like, if mm-hmm. I'm even teetering a little bit, then it's not something I want to do. Like I have to be all in because at the end of the day, like you know, we often say yes to things that people come to us with, you know, for, For different reasons, like sometimes it's like because we feel like it could get us to an opportunity later, especially more early in our careers like I think Mm -hmm. it is best to say yes to most things, but when your time starts getting tapped, it's like, at the end of the day we don't want to hurt someone's feelings by telling them no but I feel like you're going to hurt them feelings their feelings more if you're half ass about it once you commit to it.
1: So the interesting thing for me is that um, through Becca Sign, I kind of learned why I got into that situation and it's completely pandemic related. So um, when uh, obviously the pandemic hit, I had my son at home for eight straight months eight months and um of course that you know we were homeschooling we were then moving house and then we were trying to get him into a school and all the rest of it and that severely impacts your ability to get work done and um so what so as an as somebody who leads with influencing strengths, one of the things I that drives me is making an impact, having a positive effect on somebody else's life, making a difference and um, helping all of that stuff. Um, and so what was happening is that I was saying yes to small things for other people because I knew I would get that dopamine hit of, oh, well, I helped that person or, oh, well, I I did that. And because they were things that would take half an hour or an hour or or a couple of days, and I would be able to do these things for other people. And I would get that that hit of influencing, having an impact, helping making a difference in somebody's writing and craft and all the rest of it instead of um, doing the hard work, the strategic work, the stuff like writing the next nonfiction book, because that dopamine hit is like, four months down the line. And so because I didn't have those big chunks of time for writing and stuff, that was what I was defaulting to, do, to doing. And as a result, I ended up with 7 million different things going on, instead of just, you know, time blocking and having the time to do the work that the work that would make a massive crater as opposed to a little pebble splash, you know? So I would do, I was doing pebble splash things as opposed to the stuff that was going to leave a crater. Um, but, but that I know that now, and I won't ever let that happen again because I've learned that lesson.
0: So, um, looking at your business now and, and everything. And so what are your crater projects now? Like, what are the things you're really putting your focus into now?
1: Okay, so um, last year, I think I spent about two and a half working days on creating um, courses. um, And it was 10% of my income for the year. So that is a phenomenal amount of income for not an awful amount of work. So one of the things that I want to do is spend more time teaching. I really enjoy live teaching, um, but I also like having things that are like I can resell, uh, because you, you want passive income, right. Yeah. Or, or as passive as you can get income. So I am definitely going to spend more time, uh, leaning into courses. Um, and particularly on the craft, there are so many people doing marketing stuff and business stuff. I don't need to do that. Um, my passion lies with craft anyway. So, uh, I will be doing that, but the other thing, so that that's more like the competition side, like the, you know, the business side, the thing that lights my fire now i am moving into young adult uh lesbian and bisexual uh contemporary fantasy so anything that is young adult um with a lead that is either a lesbian or a uh, bisexual now the reason i'm doing that is because i um had an epiphany last year i randomly picked up a young adult lgbt book and was like got to the end of this book and was like sobbing and was like oh my god I just like ship these characters I'm like why have I loved this book so much and um then I read another one and I was like oh my god like I just feel all these things um and anyway and then I went back to not, not reading the stuff that I normally read and was like uh uh you know, uh, and, um, you know, like churning through books. And I read a lot of books. And then I picked up some more. And all of a sudden, I had all these feelings about these characters again. And I was just like, oh, I just want them to get together. And oh, my God, this is killing me. And then I was like, this is how normal people feel when they read books. Why am I feeling like this over some books and not other books? And then, of course, I was like, oh that's because that's my love yeah. that's that's i like, that's what I i have and um so you can see how like enthusiastic I am because I'm just like <laughs> I'm on helium now um bring it back down Sasha um <laughs> so yeah and it was a real epiphany and all like my top five books that I read last year all gay all uh not necessarily just a young adult but they were all LGBT books and I was like this is telling me something um this is something that I need to do and then I kind of went and looked at the market because competition so you know I like to look at the market I like to know what competitors are doing where the positioning needs to be and all this stuff the branding that kind of stuff and I am taking a really big risk because there are no indies in that sphere, like at all, period. There were, yeah, out of, um, now, I think it was 760 books, 62 books, 762 books at the time that I got the data from Alex Newton in that genre, 762 books. It is so underserved as a market. It is ridiculous. Um, You know, when you look at like thrillers or romance where there's like, hundreds of thousands of books this is a massively underserved market there are no indies in it now the reason i'm taking a risk is because to be honest with you it is predominantly paperbacks that that make the money and therefore yeah. it is dominated by trad however i don't believe that there are no teenagers out there looking for for books so i am going to go in and i am going to do everything in my power to build a market because I believe that there are teens out there. I was out there. I was a teen that wanted those books and didn't get any. So yeah, that is, that is the crater. That is the impact that I am going to leave. I'm going to go in and I'm going to do everything in my physical, mental, competitive power to, to leave that legacy for, for gay teens.
0: That is awesome. That that's, that's, that's amazing. It, it, the, the marketing research is kind of interesting to me. Like, um, I figured that there would be a lot more competition there. It, it doesn't, it, it, the, the traditional publishing part of it doesn't really surprise me on a couple different fronts, because I think YA is kind of dominated by traditional publishing anyway. Um, mm-hmm. but the other part of it is because I know a lot of traditional publishers too, are looking for, uh, diversity now, you know, they're yes, looking, they they're, they're looking for a lot of diverse stuff. Um, but that still surprises me. There's not a lot of indies who are, who are diving into that in, that in that market.
1: And you know the other interesting thing? So here's the thing, out of those 762 books, I have done everything in my power to find every single bloody lesbian book I can. I've got 146 on a list, that's it. So even out of those 762, there's only 146 lesbian books. So there's like 500 and something um, or 600, whatever it is. Gay male, trans, everything other than than lesbians, and so I just it's so underserved, and I don't know. Maybe I'm making a massive mistake, and there are no teen lesbians that want to read. But like, what? I don't believe that. I don't um, either. No, no, no way. It's just that nobody's gone in and done it yet, and made the effort to do the hard marketing work. Um, and uh, what was that? What was the other thing I was going to say? There was something else about the the research that I oh, I, I don't remember now, but you know, it is a very small niche, like I'm not expecting to, to change the world or, you know, to bring in a million bucks overnight with this. I know it's slow burn, but I, I have a feeling that I can do it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try.
0: (laughs) Well, and it's clearly like, again, you, you, you're wanting to do it for all the right reasons. I mean, there's obviously, I mean, you're obviously looking at it from a financial standpoint too, but like you, you want to make an impact, you know, and especially with teenagers and stuff like, even, you know, you know, we we were talking a little bit before air about L- LGBT community and stuff, but like, um, even in 2021, like, I mean, uh, those like teens who are struggling with that stuff like need to be served, like they they need to know that there are other people out there like them and people who are speaking to them, and I mean, like you're the perfect you're perfect person for that.
1: Yeah I am binge reading as much as I can like I literally of those 146 books I may have now may now own like 86 of them um,
0: <laughs> you're doing your research
1: I, uh, yeah exactly and i'm literally trying to devour as many books as i possibly can in that genre um because i there are things that are missing like how many teen books right you know five ten years ago teen books didn't have sex in now they have sex in right because this you know, i don't know society is being more open they're giving kids information as opposed to like harboring it away and making it a hush hush and nor you know you know chastity and all of this lot no sex before marriage but there's no sex for gay kids <laughs> there are yeah. no books with sex for gay kids like and I literally found the first first two books um that I have seen with any kind of reference that isn't fade to gray and I've only read those in the last three months like and I I've spent a lot of last year reading um so yeah like and I'm not saying that you know I w- want to poor sex into my books but there ought to be something like you know there ought to be some stories that are genuinely you know and come on you can't tell me that teens aren't having sex right like oh well, you know i i was a teen and i had sex as a teen you know we're not waiting until we're 30 and married so i just yeah it annoys me that there is nothing out there like i had none of that when i was a teenager and i read hundreds of books as a teen. And I'm irritated and and kind of annoyed with myself because I came into writing as a gay woman, writing straight books for teens. And like, that was the epiphany I had last year. I was like, the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you writing that? Like, that's not your life. Like, why are you, not that you have to write your life into fiction, but you know, I I don't know. It was just a bit of a realization for me. And like now, I have to, I just, I have to do this. There's whether or not it makes money. I have to do it anyway.
0: No, I, I get that. I mean, I've written, you know, I've written female main characters before and it's, it can be a little strange, you know, for <laughs> sure. And um, I'm actually, you know, so the next series I want to work on, I'm not totally sure if it's going to be or not, but I kind of have this fantasy post-apocalyptic series I want to write. And which is, that's risky on itself. But like one big thing is I've, I've, I've want, I want to make my main character. I want to make her bisexual.
1: Oh, I love And,
0: that. um, but there's a little bit of risk that goes into that being a cis white male, you know, but at the same time I tell myself, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, you know, I, I have people close to me in my life who are, who are bisexual or lesbians like, and, um, and I feel like that I could honor that. And I also feel like, um, this is going to be weird to say, but like, I think that, um, there's a weird, like, there's a weird stigma specifically on like bisexuality and also how men perceive it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, when women are bisexual. And I feel like I could kind of like debunk that a little bit and show, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like-
1: absolutely. It's called bi um and so i am well i don't know i don't really like labels i would either label my if i had to label myself it would either be bi or pansexual um because i don't really see gender and so i probably fit more into pansexual than i do bisexual which is probably I-
0: that's actually what i i actually was thinking about making my character pansexual because the way i would write it would be like where you just sh- it doesn't matter to her. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah.
1: You you fall in love with the person and the personality, right. which is exactly what I do. Um, The interesting, uh, uh, what, oh, hang on. What were you saying just before that? Sorry, um, I cut you off. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's okay. Well, and I, this is the thing. Like, I think people are afraid to write it because they are afraid that they're going to get slated, that they'll get something wrong. But yeah. there is a difference between writing a gay character and writing a story about the truth of somebody who's gay so like maybe exactly. coming out yeah. or like the you know yeah like that those kind of journeys that gay people go on i think that is a much more difficult
0: 100% thing to do.
1: But having gay characters is absolutely something that people should be doing more of, along with disabled characters and characters of colour and, yep. you know, all of this stuff. You, there is nothing stopping anybody from having those characters um, in the book. It's just about intention, I suppose. Like, what is your intention behind having the character? There's a really good resource, Eliana West. Uh, she was on my show and she has um, a Facebook group where they um, there's, there's all kinds of different people from different backgrounds different cultures different sexualities um, mental health statuses and um th- they have a uh, any question goes you're allowed to ask anything that you want as long as you ask it with respect and um like so what is the intention behind asking the question as long as the intention is good because either you're trying to make your character more have more depth or, or be more representative then you can ask anything you want and it's a safe space to ask those those questions that you feel are stupid or that you should know the answer to and that's exactly the kind of resources that we need uh, yeah. to encourage writers to be more inclusive.
0: Absolutely, because it's, it's. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, it's boring to have a book with a bunch of the same type of characters in it, you know? Yeah, and, yeah go ahead. we
1: need them as a reader, we, do, we yeah. need them. Like, look at the reaction that I had. I had forgotten that that was what reading was like. And I am a prolific reader. I read well over a hundred books a year. And I was just... I just was not connected to any stories anymore. And I didn't even realize that. So some of it, I don't know, for me, it was definitely a journey of realization in that I can really connect and and fall in love with like stories and characters all over again. And that's not to say that I can't fall in love with a story with a straight character or whatever. It's just that it's something else when you get to see yourself in a story.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you shouldn't feel like you have to write straight characters because like if, if you... Cause again, that's not who you are, you know, not, not to, not again, not to say you have to write who you are. Like I'm seeing here having talked, talking about having written women and wanting to write a bisexual character. And and again, like even for, or even from that standpoint, I think you really nailed it. Like when I write that book, the book is not going to be her journey of her sexuality. That's yeah. just going to be part of who she is.
1: Yes. Exactly. You know?
0: And, and it'll be very subtle in the book. Like sometimes you'll see her like, you know, kiss or have sex with a woman, sometimes it will be a man. And I'm not going to like dive into that. It's just going to be part of who she is, mm-hmm. you know, just like she, she opens a door just like I do, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just going to be part of the deal. And it's <clears> not something I'm going to dive into, which does make me like a little safer about writing that stuff, because yeah. I'm not going to go in depth to that journey, which I know nothing about other than again, the experiences of people in my life who I've talked to and listened to their stories and stuff, but I still don't feel like I'm qualified to write that. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly you are. And, and I think that you wanting to do that, I mean, you could definitely reach a lot of people through your fiction.
1: I hope so. I hope so. Because it would be lovely to have that also, you know, have a nice financial impact for me. Yeah. <laughs> actually, but, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. And then if after a few books, it's not having an impact and, you know, I need to make more money, then I'll, I'll you know, do a different genre or maybe I'll double time or or whatever. But yeah, what? I just
0: have you thought about pursuing traditional publishing at some point with it? Like, like if the Indies part doesn't work out, like if you thought about maybe trying to pursue it that way.
1: So here's the interesting thing. I recently got a translation deal. I had an email in my inbox and was like, this is spam. What is this? And uh, I went to the Alliance of Independent Authors and it turns out it was, it was genuine. And uh, anyway, it, it, they wanted two books and now they've I've got a four book translation deal. Congrats. And at that point, yeah, thank you. I was a bit like, okay, wow, this is out of my depth. So I- What language? Korean.
0: Nice. Interesting. yeah okay
1: um and so I worked with an agent and when I sort of had the meetings and stuff with them they were like oh so what are you doing with your fiction and I mentioned and then like on the spot they asked me to pitch my story at which point I was like <laughs> because like I had not I did not expect to talk about my fiction because we were talking about non-fiction and they have said it's uh, a sellable you know genre at the moment in traditional and they are inter- interested in reading the story which means nothing because they can read it and not like it and not be able to pitch it but that is an option uh because I'm about 25 to 30k into one of them at the minute so they have said suggested that I can send it to them um <sighs> whether or not i do whether or not i will whether or not i would then be willing to sell it i don't know i did speak to rachel heron about this actually um so yeah it's hard it is hard to make that choice when you have gone into publishing as an indie only uh, or like indie from the start but yes it is something that i am i'm trying to look at all of the options i'm trying to think you know could i do both could i because the one that i'm pitched to them is standalone but i'm I'm brewing a series as well. So maybe I pitch the standalone, but keep the series for myself. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're in an interesting position just because, you know, you you feel like you may have found a market in the indie that's not being tapped. And that could be a really big opportunity for you, you mm-hmm. know, and at the same time, this is popular with traditional publishing. So, but, but I can also see like you not being at a point in your career yet where you were wanting to look at that. You know, like I thought for a long time, that I always just want to be indie and stay indie, but I'm getting to the point now where I'm kind of like, "Ah, I kind of want to try to go into the trad pub. Like, cause I look at it as like, for one, if it doesn't work out, I can just indie publish the books. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's one part. The other thing is, I don't look at it as an either or decision. Like, yes, um, exactly. It, it, and it's totally becoming that way now where, you know, more agents and stuff are understanding. You have people like JD's agent, Kristen Nelson, who is very indie friendly but and will tell JD, well, this is probably a better book to indie publish than for us to try to sell. Um, and cause I just look at it like, okay, I can, I could traditionally publish like a series or a few books and then, Go back to indie later or something like that, you know. But I but I'm I'm at a point where I'm seeing I'm probably missing some readers by not being in that traditional world. So plus I just kind of want to see if I can do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? oh
1: yeah, definitely. There's definitely a part of me that's like that. And the interesting thing is, um, in the books that are out that are LGBT are all standalone, right? Which is completely counter to what indies are told, which is to write a series. So part of me is like, well, I have a standalone book that's almost well that's halfway done like maybe I should because that's much more you know it caters much more to what trad wants um and then I can just do the series and see if that works for for indie look the beauty is that you know as indies we just get to bloody experiment yeah I'm just gonna have a bloody go and see what happens and if it doesn't I'll just pivot you know that's that is the beauty of our businesses
0: well, and exactly what you talked about is kind of the strategy that I ideally would like to take. I have standalone books that I really want to write, but I just know if I indie publish them, like they'll probably do okay. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's my opportunity to try to go to TradPub is with my standalone stuff. So like, I'm, I'm right there with you on that. I mean, I, I could totally see that strategy, but again, you're in that unique spot where it's like, maybe I found an untapped market that I can really be ahead of the game on and be like one of the, the early adopters on. Mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, well, I'm definitely going to be interested to see where that goes for you. So are you, um, are, are you focused more on fiction right now than you are in your nonfiction stuff? Is that kind of your, or nope. not really? <laughs> no,
1: I'm 50, 50 and I probably will always be 50, 50. I if, yeah. really, yeah, I really love nonfiction because it, it gives me, something that fiction doesn't I am a nerd and I will always be a nerd and I there I'm senile as well <laughs> so like I write the non-fiction books about the topics that I want to learn I know it's very selfish
0: no there's something very, selfish like, about that
1: yeah so like I Uh, that said I've got 2 nonfiction books that are 7k a piece at the minute one is because my patrons have asked for it um and the other one is the next topic that I want to learn about um and uh so the way that I'm going to kind of go forward from from now is that I will probably work on two projects at a time one will be at so the next one will be a book and then the other one will be either like something that uses a different part of my brain. So maybe it will be narrating my next audiobook, or maybe it'll be creating a course. So like if I pick, so the center death is a book, the next fiction book, um, and I will either do a course at the same time as, as I'm writing that, or I will do, I will or, or do the next narrating book. So yeah, um, but like I say, like that's a mix of fiction and nonfiction. It just because I do lots of different things, you know, it will be one project of a, of a variety of like Yeah. Stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. I got you. I mean, that's a, like I, we were kind of talking before we came on, like, I would love to do more nonfiction and I have some ideas for some stuff, but like, I'm just so focused right now on my series that's selling. And it's, it's really hard for me to work on multiple things at a time. Like Jay mm-hmm. is so good at that. Like he can write like four books at a time. And I'm just like, Dude, I gotta write one thing and like stick to that, and so. um, But uh, but I definitely want to do some more nonfiction because I definitely have some things, both in the writing space and outside of it. You know that Mm -hmm. that I really want want to say. You know, I mean, Um, you know, for one, like you know, I'm really passionate about not being on social media you know and I have stuff I want to say about that and and kind of my experience of that over the last three years and that unfortunately I think that's one of the things that's going to hurt me too with traditional publishers because I think they look at your your social media (laughs) so but But you uh, still
1: have a platform I do I have a platform and have
0: a mailing list exactly with with, with a good exactly exactly
1: so you know there are yeah I think that might not hurt you as much as you they may ask you to go back on social media but like you know uh, it, it depends if it's adult or if it like you know so if you're going to go and do young adult stuff i uh, you know and you want to be in the trad sphere i can't imagine they're gonna be okay with you not being on social media yeah. <laughs> but you you know if you do adult then maybe you can get away with it especially if you have a mailing list
0: luckily with my genre with post-apocalyptic i think that most of the readers are you know that the, your typical reader kind of wants to be off the grid anyway so mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's I don't I think that's part of the reason it doesn't hurt me too much so yeah. you know yeah. but it, it's all good so well um well before we get out of here I definitely want to talk about parenting a little bit um so how old's your son he's eight so oh I that's right yeah so my daughter's seven so yes. um so they're so they're right around the same that's awesome age isn't it
1: Oh my gosh so like I know everybody says you're meant to love your kids at every age but seven was my favorite and now eight is my favorite so um, <laughs> I, like we, we had a rough time Atlas did not sleep until he was two like he didn't sleep through the night until he was just over two it was Christmas um and he started going through the night right as I was about to have a nervous breakdown because I was absolutely gone I was like still working full-time parenting and trying to build my writing business so I was just getting like fuck all sleep and uh yeah so he went through the night and then like we had a lot of tantrums and then we've um yeah so we were in the unfortunate position that we moved house twice rapidly so he this is his third school and that along with the lockdowns and being in school, then being homeschooled, then being back in school, then quarantine because someone in our family got COVID, then back in school has caused some emotional regulation issues for us. So we have had a lot of tough times, but that is definitely finally, like we've done a lot of work and we're getting to the end of that now. Um, But I just feel like seven, and eight have, he's just got this amazing personality now and he's funny and he loves jokes. And like, he just, I don't know. Yeah, it's less tantrums. You're able to reason with them. They're like, they, can, they become your little buddies, you know? Yeah. So yeah, like I just, oh, he's amazing now.
0: Yeah, my it's my daughter's the same way. Like she's, she's a ton of fun. She's got so much freaking personality. Like the just, she's so funny, makes great jokes, you know? Um, and, uh, but at the same time, like, and I, you, you you may not have dealt with this with your son, but God damn, she's gotten sassy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like she's she's at that point where she, she's trying to push things as far as she can. And she's kind of. Like she'll talk back and, Mm -hmm. and, um, she treats me and her mom differently for sure. Like she, my, my wife gives her a little bit longer rope than I do. So she gets away with more with Catherine than she does with me, but, um, but she still tries to push it, you know, Mm -hmm. as, as much as, as much as she can, but it's, it's such a fun age. Like I'm, I'm, I'm having a blast, you know, it's, it's awesome being a dad. So what is, uh, so what is your day to day kind of look like as far as, you know, getting your work in, being a wife, being a parent, all that good stuff.
1: So, um, I, I am the birth mom, if you like, and I have always taken the primary carer role. Okay. Um, so I breastfed for like nine months, so I was off work for a while, um, and Chloe got sort of like the bog standard paternity leave that you get in the UK. Um so now th- and that that kind of role has still continued. So I will um get up and we'll do his breakfast and Chloe will sort of make sure that he gets dressed and has a shower and he hasn't got boogers all over his face. And then um, I walk him to school and then I come back and I work until he finishes school and then I go and pick him up. Until about six months ago, I couldn't that was really it for me in terms of daytime working. But he's just got to the point now where he he's like, uh, can I play on my Nintendo Switch for an hour? And that's really like, oh, yeah. Right. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you can because I still have an hour's worth of work to do. That's where so, I
0: do. Haley will be yeah. like, Can I go play Minecraft on my Switch? Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You can yeah. do yeah. that for an hour. Okay, no.
1: Yes. <laughs> so like I tend to get like another hour now um uh, but but I will do much more admin related stuff I can't really sink in and focus on words yeah. at that point of the day and then I am mum probably from about half past four um five o'clock I'll do dinner we'll do stories we'll do bath time we'll do you know and obviously it's either me doing bed or it's Chloe doing bed you know it's very 50 50 and then I will quite often go back to work because that is the life of a creative
0: (laughs) Um, we're always working
1: right like how how do we not work and then on the evenings where I don't have stuff my wife might get a conversation out of me (laughs) so yeah that is generally like I would say quite representative of my week and sometimes we have after school clubs and things so me and Atlas both do martial arts together um, and so we do those one night a week. He's just got to the point where he wants to pick his own stuff. So he's just started basketball after school on a Friday, which means I get to do a workout by myself, which is amazing. So yeah, like I, I take that hour and instead of working, I just take it and I went and, you know, I go in our garage gym. So yeah,
0: that's it. That's all your day actually sounds a lot like mine. Yeah. Um, like I, my, my wife usually takes Haley to school um, but, uh, other than that, like I'll get up and make, do, I do the lunch night before, but I'll make sure she's got everything in her bag and all that. And then they go off to school and then I work until about, um, t- uh, about two thirty, And then I go, I go pick her up from school three days a week. Cat gets her mm-hmm. two days a week. So I have like two days where, um, cat is off during the week. And so like, those are, I call them like my long days. Cause those, I usually can work to like four or five Um, Mm -hmm. and then that's Wednesday and Friday, but then Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, I'm like two 30, I'm pretty much done. Occasionally I will do what you're saying and be like, yeah, go play Minecraft for a little bit, you know, and come in here, but it's the same thing. Like it has to be admin work. Mm -hmm. Um, the the one difference is I've I've and I this is something I've had to get better about but I've kind of tried to set boundaries for myself for like to not go back to work at night (laughs) it's so hard but um yeah I'm
1: exactly the same because I was getting really burned out last year so I try to only do two evenings a week maximum so that doesn't mean I have to do two evenings every week but I will allow myself up to two evenings a week because I just wasn't like basically reading creates loads of energy for me and I um last year I did decided to double the amount that I read and all of a sudden I was able to write more and I'm like oh yeah duh surprise so like (laughs) I like for me like reading is now a really it is like it's non-negotiable so I yeah I try to make sure that I do have evenings off the other the other thing that I find is that I will focus much more and produce much more during term time than I will school holidays and I allow that kind of differentiation in energy output and like mindset it's okay not to do loads of stuff in the whole in the school holidays and it yeah. really depends so like some of the holidays he'll be with us and then some of the holidays he will go and like stay at my mum's for three or four days and then I get a shit ton done because I will work until god knows when at night because it's yeah. you know it's the- but then I'll go on a date night right so like I have a long working day but then I get a date night at the end of it yeah. so but yeah I do find there's like a real energy shift for me in term time versus half term and although like the achiever in me doesn't want to plan for that like I am finding (laughs) that really I have to manage my own expectations because I just can't like just I like especially the summer holidays um and Christmas Christmas is a complete write-off so I try and take it all off anyway um but you know yeah it is it is hard even like even like when my wife has him. So like in the holidays, she'll do two, unless we go on a family holiday, she'll do two weeks. I'll do two weeks. My mom will do two weeks. Cause we only have a six week break here. But even when she has him that like, if they don't go out for the day, I can't, you know, I, I'm not getting stuff done because they're in out, in out, in out. Yeah. You know? So yeah, that is probably the other thing that, that has a big impact on me.
0: Yeah. That's I'm a little envious of that. Cause we don't have any family around us. So our, our closest family is like six and a half hours away. So
1: well, that's why we moved. So that oh, is okay, actually, yeah, yeah. Before we were completely on our own, and it's we were hard. about. It was brutal. My I, and I. I say we were on on our own. My mom is absolutely amazing um when at when atlas wasn't at school she she was 90 just under 90 minutes away and she would come every thursday and that's she awesome. would look after him on a thursday and so they have this wonderful relationship because obviously she was always there um when he was little um and she misses that which is why sometimes she'll be like should i have him for a few days in the holidays and i'm like uh-huh uh-huh you should do that like you should definitely have him for a few days <laughs> but yeah i that's brutal not having any support. It's hard.
0: It, mm. It's a little easier now that she's older and we have friends and stuff. So we can kind of like swap and all that. Mm-hmm. But, but it definitely, uh, it definitely, it definitely makes it harder, but yeah, it, it's nice when they get the age where they're starting to become a little more independent and stuff. So it, mm-hmm. it, it makes things a little easier to, you know, work and all that too. But yeah, the other adjustment I've had, I've been trying to make was I've also started taking Sundays off. So you usually I would get up really early and work, um, and, uh, and then cat works all day. So like, that's daddy daughter day. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but like, I've been taken like completely off. So like my, I, I don't know, I just feel like a different headspace when I don't get up and work. And then, because I, I like, once I am getting into the writing, I want to keep going, but then I have mm-hmm. to stop to, so I, I don't know, I've, I found like I'm having better quality time with her when I just allow myself to have the whole day off.
1: I'm not allowed to work weekends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's good. That's good to have that, those boundaries.
1: Yeah, I'm not allowed. So um, I tend to work Sunday evening, but only wow. for a short while, just cause I like to plan my week. Um, but that's like an hour's worth of work just cause I, I don't like to come in on a Monday, not knowing what's going on. Um, but I don't work whilst everybody's awake at the weekend because that's family time for us. But then I'm allowed to like go hard during the week, if that makes sense.
0: So one other thing on the parenting thing I want to ask you, and this will be a last thing and then we'll, we'll jump out of here, but I'm just like, you have a very unique perspective out of any, anyone else I've ever talked to. And I'm just, I'm just curious, like, um, and we talked about this a little bit before we came on, but like, um, you know, being in like a same sex marriage and having a child, I mean, is there any type Have you guys faced any struggles with that or anything, or has your son, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know how much different the, I'm sure the UK is a lot different than the US. So
1: um, so it's interesting. Like the weirdest bit is I probably faced the worst amount of hate whilst I was pregnant. And shortly after I gave birth and I can tell you some stories. Um, But since he's been born, it's been absolutely fine because it then becomes about the child, I think. And so people, yeah, I don't know. So when I was pregnant, I seem to become like public property because even you know he's eight so you think that's almost a decade and how much further on we are a decade later things are much more accessible people are much more accepting you know in in that decade same-sex marriage has become legal right in the UK we only had civil partnerships before that when we gave birth I think Think he was? We were still in a civil partnership then, um, so I was public property. Like I got pregnant, and people would ask any old questions. Oh well, did you have sex with a man? I am married to a, like. If your husband is infertile, would you have sex with another man? Like, these <laughs> kind of stupid questions that people yeah. ask me. Like, um, you know, oh, um, uh, uh, why, why did you bother with, um, going to all the trouble of fertility stuff? Why didn't you just adopt? you know all of questions like this like we i had some really um really unthoughtful questions and and while I was sort of saying this before we started i am open and willing to educate anybody on on any of these topics if people are just polite, you know, I'd just I'd be really interested to understand how you actually managed to have your family. You know, that that I'd, I'd be like, oh, sure. Let me tell you what we did, you know. um, And and but people are they just don't think before they speak. And then I had um, a few mum groups actually I was very, very lonely and, uh, I didn't have postpartum depression, but I was quite low because I was alone. And so like, I, I remember doing one of these hippie baby mom yoga groups, uh, whilst I was pregnant, uh, trying to do all the breathing stuff. <laughs> no, give me the drugs whilst I was in labor. All <laughs> you know, right. But I had like a four day labor, uh, anyway. Mm. And, um, I remember at the end of the class being like uh, oh could could I could I get your number like for the people that had been stood next to me and they're like oh I think the teacher's gonna swap numbers like she'll send them out and I was like oh okay you know and of course we've been talking about who our partners were on this last session and then I opened the car window and the two girls were swapping numbers and I was like oh oh wow okay and then it's funny because something very similar we have something called NCT in the UK and I can't I don't remember maybe it's like national childcare, child trust, or I don't know, whatever it is, but they, they often, people who are pregnant that go to like the fertility, like the, the NHS national fertility, learn about being a parent things. And they will match groups. And so they'll bring like groups of people together who have their babies within like, say a three month period. And, um, so I was going to one of these and then I think it was like the third session, they started asking about families. And so I was like talking about the fact that I didn't have a husband, I had a wife and blah, blah, blah. I didn't get another invite back. Like, and and the worst bit, wait, it gets so much worse. Um, my mom, my, I just was cut off the email list and my mom came down and I was like, oh, you know, mom, like I haven't seen anyone in a few days. Like, can you come? So like she would come down and we went for a walk. I shit you not the whole group was in the pub window and I walked past and saw them in the pub window. And I was like, Oh, okay. So like, that was really hard but like now eight years on man people don't give a shit like the kids they just don't care they 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 get jealous they're like oh well because I'm mummy and Chloe's mama and that like, what well, well I want a mama I don't have a why don't I have a mama you know like and they love it and you know they're fascinated by this and you know the biggest thing for me is making sure that Atlas is okay um, because you know it, you know so we often talk about the fact that he has a donor and you know we can't we don't have any way of contacting that donor and you know we have some information for him but, you know, that's the most important thing to me. Like, is he OK? And he doesn't care. He, he. you know, when he was younger, he would ask questions like, oh, why don't I have a daddy? And I'm like, well, if you had a daddy, you wouldn't have a mama. Oh, no, I want my mama. I love my mama. You know, and I'm like, well, well, there you go. Right. And and the thing is, you know, we've always, are you happy? Do you feel loved? You know, all of this stuff. And he, he, he has two parents, right? And yeah, you guys are his parents. Exactly. exactly. That's what he knows exactly so yeah like I don't now I don't feel like we get any any problems really um but the pregnancy was hard and that period straight after was quite hard especially because I was young I was like 26 I think when I gave birth and none of my friends like my friends now especially like or like the LGBT people that I still know they are only just so I'm like just about to be 35 they're only just having kids now and we're like we're like getting our freedom back so (laughs) but what we are and so we are you know in a completely different headspace and a completely different time period their experience will be different to ours um just in terms of even ease of of treatment like getting getting treatment and stuff it's far more accessible now than it was back then
0: yeah. And I mean, you know, thing, things were not too much different here in the US. Like, I don't remember how long ago it was now, but I mean, it hasn't been legal here, same sex marriage federally for, I mean, it hasn't been that long either. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it's just a different world, like you said. And I mean, our kids are going to grow up not, it's just not like your, your son's probably going to look back and be like, wait, right before I was born, you, you guys couldn't have even gotten married. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's so they're going to think that's weird.
1: I know. Right. They you really know? are.
0: Yeah. So, um, well, that's, I'm um, that's awesome that, to hear that, you know, you, that those struggles did not continue and, you know, that's, it sucks. You had to go through that, but whatever. <laughs>
1: you know? Yeah. I'm it, tough as old boots me. I don't, you know, I just put people straight and it's five.
0: Cause you're a rebel.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Sasha, why don't you, uh, you tell everybody, you know, where they can find you all that good you know, wh- whatever you want to talk about, you can do that now.
1: Oh, thank you. Okay, well, I um, am the host of the Rebel Author podcast, which will be on any of your normal podcast catchers. Um, I co-host Next Level Authors. You can probably find me most often on Instagram, which will be at Sasha Black Author. And that is Sasha with a C. So S-A-C-H-A. The color black, and then author. Or um, I have a rebel authors Facebook group as well. That's um, occasionally I'm in there. Or my website, which is SashaBlack.co.uk.
0: Perfect, and I'll have links down to your website and the podcast and everything down in the show notes. And uh, that was awesome. My first mom.
1: Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It was. Hey, an honor.
0: I, I actually I absolutely appreciate you coming on, and we'll. Pro- I have a feeling we'll probably do this again at some point. And you should have me on Rebel Author again. I'm just going to throw that out there.
1: Yes, I would love to. We'll talk about, yeah, let's talk about that.
0: Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Sasha. I appreciate it. No
1: worries. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Creator Dad Podcast. I'd like to invite you to join the official Creator Dad Discord community where fellow Creator Dads like you and me connect to discuss our creative endeavors, parenting, relationships, music, movies and TV, sports, money, all the things that dudes love to talk about. Get all the details at patreon.com slash creator dad.